Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Red Cup Auburn podcast. My name is Noble. As always, I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we're going to kind of be talking about how all the basketball uh, stuff with Auburn is panning out right now. We're going to talk about some official visits. We're going to talk about some football stuff. Uh, but let's just jump straight into it. Uh, this was the news that broke about 30 minutes ago. Uh, JT Thor signing with an agency, uh, keeping his name in the NBA draft. Uh, he's definitely not coming back to Auburn. The Tigers still have one scholarship available. Wheeler, what are your thoughts about JT declaring for the NBA draft? I think we were both super confused by. I don't. I think we both saw this coming, but I don't think uh, either one of us really understands why he's doing this. Um, kind of looking at some mock drafts, um, JT was put in the 60s, um, around 66, 63, depending on what you were looking at. And there's only 60 picks in the NBA draft, so it really doesn't make sense uh, for a guy to go one and done to sign as a free agent. Um, you know, we talked before the show about Jared Harper left school early to go and be an unsigned free agent or an undrafted free agent um, and how he had, you know, a great season, probably the best season he could have had, took a team to a Final Four, this and that. And so it made sense. It was like he's not going to be able to do anything in college that's going to make him, like, elevate his draft stock. Like, this is as high as it's going to be. He might as well go ahead and start making the money. Um, JT, on the other hand, everybody – you know, analysts, everybody is saying, hey, this guy needs to go back to school, show that he can, you know, he is a physical freak, but show that he can really dominate uh, on the basketball court. And he was going to have a good uh, cast around him to help him do that. And he chose to stay in the NBA draft. Um, he'll probably get signed and put on, you know, I think best case scenario, he gets a two-way contract. Um, I don't see him getting signed to, you know, an NBA team solely. Uh, and hopefully he's not just a G League guy. But, yeah, very strange that you reclassify out of high school to come to college and then become a one-and-done to go be a free agent. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. He's younger than everyone else in this class. So that's kind of something where it's like, all right, you already have an advantage like in that sense, but it's like you can either stay in college, develop your game, and dominate against people that aren't as athletic as you, aren't as good as basketball as you, or you can go to the G League I mean, that's most likely where he's going to be this year, at least. And he's going to get better, but it's like it's going to be a more difficult process because he's going to be going up against people that are just as athletic as him, you know, all that. Whereas at Auburn, he could have been more of the guy and could have had the opportunity to dominate a little bit more. But, you know, he's declared still an Auburn guy. All love to him. You know, I hope he flourishes in the NBA. I'm excited to watch him, all that good stuff. But with him staying in the draft, that leaves Auburn with one scholarship spot available. 
And this is something that's a little confusing because it's kind of like there you can either with the one scholarship, you can either find somebody who is, you know, only has a year of eligibility left, a grad transfer somewhere. You can use it on some of multiple years of eligibility, but with the, and we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but with the star studded people that we're recruiting in the 2022 class, you kind of want to keep, you know, spots available for them. Or you could give it to a walk-on who, you know, is a good locker room guy, whatever, give it to him for a year, see what happens. Wheeler, what are your thoughts about uh, what to do with the last scholarship? Um, yeah, I think – I don't know. It's tough to say. My guess is that Bruce and the staff had a plan. Um, the fact that there hasn't been a lot of buzz about a target, you know, looking for an offer or something tells me that they aren't necessarily planning – uh, to offer because if you listen to Bruce, I think we said this on the last podcast at all of his ambush events. Um, he sounded, I mean, he was talking about JT kind of in the past tense. Uh, so he, I felt like everybody knew that this was going to happen. Um, and if Bruce really wanted to bring in another guy, there'd be buzz of, you know, kind of like how Desi Sills was waiting around and then he pushed back his commitment date. Um, but you haven't heard that. Uh, I think if a guy that really wants to come to Auburn that really fits the system well enters the transfer portal, you know, you have it. So I don't expect the news to break, you know, in the next three hours that some walk-on on the team's gotten the scholarship. Because um, I think you wait until – I think it's July 1st this year that the transfer portal is open until. Um, so I think you wait until July. You see if anybody hits the portal that you really want that can really contribute to the team, and if not – you can give it to a walk-on for a year, um, and it's really not that big a deal. As you said, uh, the team's not really struggling with depth. Um, I do think they'd be more likely to pick up another transfer if the Desi Sills situation doesn't work out, uh, which it really sounds like it's going to work out now. Uh, it seemed pretty glint, or pretty sad uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, but now it sounds like they've just about resolved that situation. Yeah, and this was something that, you know, I kind of – I was telling I was telling my followers, you know, this kind of stuff. Like, the situation was essentially he transferred to Auburn. They didn't have his major, and that was the problem. But it's like his major was uh, sports recreation and management. So it's like, okay, yes, while Auburn might not have that specific major word for word, like people still go to Auburn to do that. Like, that's not something that's so – just random that only Arkansas has that major. I mean, it might not be called that, but there are people at Auburn that, you know, go to school for that. And so while he would just have to switch majors, he wasn't going to lose that many credits because there are still people that go to Auburn to do the same thing that Desi was doing. So that's where it was kind of like, I think the word got out that it was like, oh, they don't have his major. And some people were running with the story like, oh, we don't have his major. He's transferring. And it's like, well, no, it was just we don't have his major. They're going to have to find something else. And that happened. But that's not why he's leaving. And that's why Desi was kind of like commenting on stuff and kind of saying, like, what are y'all talking about? Like, I'm not leaving, you know, whatever. Yeah, I knew a couple of people at Auburn. Um that ended up in that field and they didn't have the major. A lot of people in that field even go and get a master's in it after they graduate from undergrad. So I really think it was just trying to figure out what major is going to be the best uh, fit for his basketball schedule and trying to get him, you know, into an internship or something that can get him where he wants to be after basketball. For sure. But so, yeah, we definitely think Desi Sills is going to be on Auburn's roster. 
heading into the this coming season. And this was something that we were talking about with how our roster is looking right now. You've got four guards. And, I mean, you've got Desi Sills, KG, KD Johnson, Wendell Green, and Zepp Jasper. So you got four guards there. You've got in small forwards, you've got Alan Flanagan, Devin Cambridge, and Chris Moore. Your forwards slash centers, you've got Jabari Smith, Jalen Williams, Dylan Cardwell, Babatunde Akingbola, and Walker Kessler. I don't really know where someone's going to come in, you know? Like, if someone comes onto the team, like, where are they going to fit? Because, really, there aren't that many spots for someone to play unless they are a lot better than the people around them. And looking Which is at, hard I mean, to find. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not – you know, people with JT Thor's caliber of talent and athleticism aren't just walking around random schools looking to transfer to Auburn. I mean, th- those kind of guys are hard to find. And really, the guys that we that really that people really wanted in the transfer portal have kind of already found their their spot and they've got what they're going to do. But like, if you look at this year, we had I'm looking we we didn't have that many guards that played. I mean, we had Sharif who started 12 games. You had Alan Flanagan, who played a ton of minutes at point guard. Justin Powell played only 10 games. Uh, Jamal Johnson played a lot, and Tyrell Jones played a little bit before he transferred. But it's like those were kind of the only guards that we had. So it's like you looked at our kind of roster this year, and it's like if there was another guard, he could have fit in a little bit more. But we have more guards than we did last year, so I just don't think there's going to be a specific spot where someone can come in and get playing time because everywhere is really kind of clustered already. Yeah, I agree. I just, unless something funky happens and some big time transfer hits the portal, um, almost like a reverse Desi Seals situation where it's a guy that's really high quality and then something weird happens and he has to transfer. Um, Another thing going back to the Desi situation, you only get a one-time transfer. And he already signed with Auburn, which means that if he left Auburn to go somewhere, he'd have to sit out for a year. So mm-hmm. I don't see why the people were so quick to pull the trigger on that. Anyway, yeah, I agree. I really think that this scholarship is going to go to a walk-on. Um, I'd be very surprised if we picked up another player because I don't think you're going to be able to find somebody. I mean, most people that are transferring do not want to transfer to be on the bench. And most of the people that are good enough to play ahead of our guys – were hot commodities and transferred early in the process. So I just don't see a transfer coming in. Yeah. Uh, And so we kind of mentioned this a little earlier. This is kind of shifting to a different side of basketball. We talked about kind of the targets in the 2022 class with the recruiting dead period being lifted about four days ago, I think, four or five days ago. Uh, The official visit list that Bruce Pearl had coming in was absolutely insane. You had – Three, this is according to 24-7. You had three five-stars in Jerace Walker, Brandon Miller, Zion Cruz, and a four-star in Nick Smith and a three-star in P.J. Haggerty. That's five guys that are all in the top 170 in the class, four guys in the top 25, all of them visiting Auburn in a one-week span. Wheeler, what are your kind of thoughts about that and how Bruce is going to deal with all these guys trying to recruit him at the same time? I think this is one of the more exciting things that has happened to Auburn basketball. Um, First of all, if you ever get 
you know, all these five stars coming to your program. That's a good thing because you only have a certain number of official visits. So this isn't like they were just driving through town and they looked around the facility. Like they're somewhat interested in Auburn enough that they're going to take an official visit here. Um, Second of all, the fact that in this first week, so you've been waiting for over a year to have official visits, that Auburn is high enough on the priority list that it's one of the first places you want to go and it's, you know, four guys in the top 25 and then the three-star that's still ranked 169th. Um, I just think it's really impressive and a testament to Bruce um, with his recruiting, but also the fact that Auburn's been cranking out first-rounders in the NBA. Um, You know, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, you expect the five-stars to go there, but the reason you expect the five-stars to go there is because they're putting guys in the NBA. You know, I mean, tradition does have a little bit of bearing on it, but at the end of the day, these guys are trying to get to the league. They're trying to make money, and they want to go to schools that are going to get them there. Um, And Auburn's proved time and time again that they can. Uh, So, yeah, I'm excited. It seems like Auburn might start to have, you know, once a year a big-time player coming in, which is super fun to watch as a fan. Yeah, I totally agree. Having a and having a five-star guy that could be a one and done. Like while it's a little, you know, not fun as a fan because it's like, oh, you only get to watch them for one year, but it's like when you get to watch them, you know, it's 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 a treat and you've got elite guys coming in every year that's great for the program. Even if, you know, guys like this year, you look at, yeah, you had Sharif and JT and it's like while this year wasn't what we wanted, it's like if those guys end up being in the NBA, it becomes a recruiting thing when you're like, okay, look at Chumo Kiki, Isaac Okoro, Sharif Cooper, JT Thor, all these guys in the NBA. And it's like telling high school kids, come to Auburn, we can get you in the NBA. So even if they may not have an incredible career at Auburn, if they make the NBA and if they're on the active roster, it's really going to help recruiting. And something that will, I think, kind of encourage uh, some Auburn fans if you look at the top, if you look at the 2022 class, you've already got – so you've got Scoot Henderson, who reclassified last year, went to the G League. He signed a two-year deal with the G League. So it's looking like he might be there for two years, signed a $1 million contract, which was twice as much as Jalen Green did, twice as much as uh, Kumiga did. So if you look at that, he might be there for two years. You've got the number one player and the number two player in the 2022 class. Both currently are 100% crystal balled to the G League in Imani Bates and Jalen Duran. You've got Keontae George, number six in the class, has you know the pros knocking on his doors. And then you've got MJ Rice, who I believe is 18th in the class, who also has the G League calling him. So that's like a really good group of guys that are – you know, kind of looking like they're going to go to the G League. The good thing is none of those guys are considering Auburn. So you look at our list and it's like all these guys, like while, you know, the G League might calm a little bit, it looks like the G League kind of has their group for this class. And if you've got Imani Bates and Jalen Durant, it's going to be tough for, you know, a guy like Jerace Walker to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go there and play the same position as another five-star that's already going to be there. So I definitely think that – we might not have to worry about the G League as much in this recruiting class as we have in years prior. And I think that Auburn fans will be welcoming that change that we can just compete against colleges like it used to be and not have to worry about the G League dropping bags. And I'm starting to think that they're going to start using this as a recruiting pitch that basically, hey, if you're signing a two-year deal 
to go to the G League. You're locked in for two years. And, yeah, you get a million dollars. But the thing is, if you're a one-and-done in college, you're going to get a million dollars. If you're – like, if you're a five-star and you were good enough to get drafted, like, if you're a lottery pick, you're going to get a million dollars. You're going to get a lot more than a million dollars for your second year, you know, that would have been in the G League, but it's going to be in the NBA. Um, and you're in the NBA, so you're not having to live the G League life for a second year. So you have the luxuries of doing college, which is, I, I mean, I'm going to say it's probably nicer than the G League lifestyle. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It, it's probably about comparable. And then your next year, you're going to be living an NBA lifestyle instead of being stuck in the G League. So I think as the G League starts to try and extend these contracts out to two years, that's when colleges are going to start being able to recruit the pitch of like, hey, if you come here and you're a one and done, but you're a lottery pick, you're going to be making just as much money in just as much time. You just have to delay getting that first check for one year. Kind of. Exactly. When yeah. really you're getting probably a fat stack of cash in a duffel bag. Probably, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, but so that kind of wraps up our basketball talk. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting just to see how all this plays out. But something that's been happening over the past few days, uh, Auburn and Penn State both announced that they will be 100% capacity this fall for football games. So, obviously for Auburn, all of our home games, 100% packed out, you know, getting excited for that. But 107,000 fans in Happy Valley for week three. Uh, Wither, what are you thinking about that matchup, and how do you think that affects – Auburn's chances and Brian Harson's first real test as Auburn's head coach. It's definitely going to be a tough environment um, with the whiteout, which is probably going to be a tougher environment than Auburn's whiteout that they announced for the Akron game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be difficult. I think the good thing is, you know, your O-line, all of the guys that are going to be playing on the O-line have played on the road before in non-pandemic years. Uh, they've been on the team before. Uh Bo Nix has played down in the swamp. Uh, we were both at that game down in the swamp. I can't imagine that Happy Valley is going to be much louder than the swamp was, especially when they broke off that 80-yard touchdown run. Um, I mean, this is kind of a silly way to measure it, but if you have Instagram highlights all the time highlighting how loud a stadium was, then that tells me that it was louder than normal. You know what I'm saying? So you get on Instagram and there's all these things of like, remember how loud the swamp got on this day. Um, and yeah, that happens for Penn State too, but it's like, it was a memorable moment in college football of that video, you know, that's sitting in the end zone and you see the guy running at you um, of how loud it got. So I don't think it's going to be anything new for a lot of the guys on the team. Um, defensively, you know, it's going to be quiet, so it's not going to affect the defense. Um, yeah, I think it's something they're going to have to deal with, but I think it's going to also be a welcome change that's kind of, a fun us versus the world uh, environment that I really think Brian Harson's going to be able to, you know, use as a motivation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you with you there, and I think that's going to be a cool thing. And also, I think that Brian Harson will be really good at kind of uh, seeing Brian Harson's pregame and or like just the stuff that he says to his team. I feel like he can get his guys a lot more pumped up for what this game is than Gus Malzahn could. Because I think Gus Malzahn was always just kind of like, oh, we're going to take it one day at a time. Like Penn State's no different than Akron and how we're going to prepare and all that. Whereas Brian Harson, I think, is going to be like, no, this is different. This is an out-of-conference game. Like 
us versus them. We have to go up there. We have to win. We have to show them what Auburn is about. Whereas Gus, I think, was just like, we'll just do our thing, go up there, whatever. I think Harson is going to have a different mentality, and I think that's something that we're definitely going to need uh, going into that game. I do think I'm a little bit – if I – if I'm concerned about anything, it's the fact that Brian Harson has not coached a game necessarily in an environment like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he went and, you know, coached Florida State. But the thing is, is, yes, Boise State is becoming a big brand as a power five or as a group of five team. Um, but I still don't think that the energy inside of a stadium – is the same when you have a group of five team coming in to play your power five team as it is when it's two Titans, you know, like Auburn and Penn state, uh, Auburn, Florida. So I'm intrigued to see how he handles it almost more than the players. Cause I think the players are more used to it. Um, and same, I mean, you think about it, Mike Bobo is probably the most prepared out of all the coaches. Um, I guess Derek Mason, when he was at, Stanford had some big – I mean, they had – when Derek yeah. Mason was at Stanford, it was the Jim Harbaugh era. They had really big games. They had those games against USC, Andrew Luck, all of that stuff. So, he's experienced that. I mean, at Vandy, he didn't have that because nobody's getting yeah. hyped for Vandy. So, it's been a little bit. Um, so, I think that might be the biggest hurdle, honestly, is as a coaching staff, how do they handle uh, communication and stuff inside of a stadium that's that crazy? Yeah, I agree. And kind of building on what you were saying with, you know, Brian Harson with Florida State, it's like, okay, one, Florida State was, I mean, just in a sad, sad place their program was. I mean, that was – I think it was a noon. Was that a noon kick? It was. So, it's like, okay, I think that Auburn fans know when it's like, okay, your team has been a just a horrible disappointment. You're playing Boise State at noon. Like, that game's not going to be wild. Like that game's not going to be nighttime against Clemson. Like that's it's not it's not really the same. And you know, Mountain West the average capacity of a Mountain West football stadium is forty thousand people. Penn State has one hundred and seven. So I definitely think that this will be a new experience for Brian Harson. But also, I think that that Akron game is going to be a weird experience for Harson because I really think that that game is going to be just absolutely wild because it's a night game, first game back from the pandemic. I think it might settle down in the second half, hopefully, after we're winning by a lot. But it's like – I think in the first half, it's going to be pumping. And I think that'll be kind of a interesting thing. And I think that'll be kind of the first experience that Brian Harson has with a crazy crowd. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm kind of – so I'm looking back at uh, what Power 5 teams they played and that they, well, beat or lost to. So they – Let's see. Uh, bowl games, I don't think count. Uh, so they went and, I mean, they rocked Virginia in 2015, 56 to 14. Uh, I don't think Virginia was anything to write home about. Um, let's see. They beat Oregon State uh, in Corvallis. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not. Uh, okay, here we go. Here we go. Well, this isn't good for us, Noble. So, in 2018, uh, the Boise State Broncos went into Stillwater, Oklahoma, and got beat by 23. Uh, In 2017, they went to Washington uh, State, and they got beat by three. Um, Yeah, they lost in Atlanta to Ole Miss. 
I don't know. This is going to be interesting to see uh, how Harson handles a road environment. I'm glad that we have a couple of games to get the communication down. Um, and I don't know if this is a normal thing uh, that coaches just don't normally talk about to the media or what, but I remember back in the spring, Harson was talking about how frustrated he was with the coaches and uh, getting the play from the booth to the field, to the sideline, to the field. Um, so I don't know if that's something that as coaches you practice in the summer um, or if that's going to be a fall camp thing, but I'll be interested to see if he mentions that again of trying to iron that out um, and get that, you know, rolling. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely helpful that they're going to have two kind of duffer games before they go into Penn state. I mean, you've got Akron and Alabama state, like those should be easy wins. Like, you don't have to play well at all. You're going to win that game. So I think that would be good for both the players to kind of ease back into playing with – yeah, with playing with crowds, all that. The coaches kind of easing in, the coaching at Auburn, how it's all going to work before you go uh, and play Penn State. So and that I crowd – I mean, I think that Auburn crowd, especially when Auburn's on defense in the first half, I don't know that it'll be exactly like the Penn State game, but I, my guess is that the first quarter of that game is going to be pretty – electric i mean i think compared i think you think back to the washington state game gus's first game um that was a big time environment for a team that honestly was not that great um i'm trying to think back 2009 would have been chiswick's first game i don't think it was a memorable first game i don't remember it being especially electric um and i'm definitely too young to remember uh tommy tuberville's first game so yeah, but I'm I'm thinking that this will be a big time atmosphere um, because everybody will be so excited to be back. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, the the opening game of the 09 season was uh, like a, it was a blowout against La Tech. I think. I mean, it was not not. I mean, I bet it was loud. I bet it was full. But it's like not anything to write home about, really. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I it was. Yeah, I don't remember anything being especially. Exciting about the 2009 season, other than the Alabama game was exciting until we lost. Yeah. The West Virginia game that year, that was – That was fun. That was yeah. very fun. That was an electric environment. Yeah. Even, you know, when everyone left. But I think that you've got – so, okay, and we mentioned this earlier, you know, with Auburn announcing that they're going to have a whiteout against Akron. So we did this in, I believe it was 2018, 19. We did it against Tulane, and it was uh, the four, like the four Rod Bramlett game, you know, that, that kind of thing. And it wasn't, as wideouts go, it wasn't terrible, but it just looked like a lot of people decided to wear white for that game. It didn't really look like it was a wideout. It looked like just a lot of people had the same thought coming into the game. One, do you think that this whiteout will be any better? And two, do you like Auburn having whiteouts for football games, or do you like just having normal? And how do you feel about the all Auburn, all orange, and then the true blue game? I do not especially love the concept of the whiteout, especially for the Akron game. Um, I understand that they're trying to be like football's back, um also i think there was i heard somebody saying that a player tweeted ice whites for the first game i think if they announce before that the team is going to be wearing white too that helps participation of the all white 
when you're having an all orange game and then the team's wearing blue, or you're having an all white and the team's wearing blue, it's like, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the strike the stadium is the best looking. Like, if we do a theme, it's the best looking theme. Uh, when basketball does the all white, it looks really good, but they give t shirts to the students. Um, and that's kind of who's see. on the camera. Yeah. Um, and also, Bruce is a really good promoter. Um, in the past, I think that the football team has done, honestly, a trash job at promoting the theme of the game. Like, it's almost like you get an email the week before the game, and I'm like, who – I mean, I would say three-fourths of people are not going to open up the game day email that gets sent to them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you really got to be hammering home. This is the all-white game. Put it on social media. Have a video of Brian Harson explaining – like, really trying to build up hype for this and it, making it – a fun thing that people want to do because I feel like right now it's a bunch of crotchety old people that are like, Oh, I don't do all white. I'm going to wear my orange shirt. Cause it's what I wear. I'm not spending money on another shirt. Um, or you get the people, the students who, I mean, the girls have their game day outfit and it's not white. And they're like, well, <laughs> that's such the theme. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is my game day outfit. Um, so yeah, I think they just need to do a better job publicizing it and publicizing it more than oh it's thursday here's the auburn game day email remember it's the all white game Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that uh and so kind of asking you a follow-up question to what you said october 30th against ole miss all auburn all orange does brian harson run the team out in orange jerseys I honestly think it depends on how his record has been to that point. Let's say – all right, let's go go all out. We're undefeated at this point. I don't think it's going to happen, but let's say we're undefeated going into that game. Does Brian Harson say, all right, they love me, we're undefeated, let's wear orange? I don't think so. I think if Harson's going to do an orange jersey, it'll – I think that the most jersey modification Harson will be able to do – until he wins a championship, will be wearing white for the all-white game. I think I just wearing a different color that's already our jersey. Because if you want to have all of the money people at Auburn go oppose you, go do something <laughs> stupid, like wear orange jerseys. Wear orange jerseys and lose to Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. That's and what, see what happens. You, it's just not a good idea just the way that Auburn operates. No, I don't think that they'll wear orange jerseys. I do think that there's a distinct possibility, unless he gets major blowback, that they'll wear white jerseys in the first game. Which I would like, honestly. Like, I like our white jerseys. I like our blue jerseys. But I think that if the whole stadium is wearing white, I'm like, okay, like, why don't you wear white? Like, I don't, I don't really see any problem with that. And I don't really understand why Penn State doesn't do that. I always think it's kind of weird that the entire – because when Penn State does a white out, everyone in that stadium is wearing white, and then they're wearing blue, and it's just like – and their white is more white than any jersey in the country. And it's like it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But that's yeah. just me. So do you think that they'll wear white in the first game? Or you- no? If it, was, if it was Gus Malzahn, absolutely not. We're going to wear blue. If it was Gene Chizik, absolutely not. We're going to wear blue. But with Brian Harson, I don't know because because he, he's used to wearing a different jersey every game, you know. Like he he's used to not even like he doesn't even know what they're wearing, and so I think that he might. 
I, I could see him doing white. I could, I could see that being kind of his thing with the Boise mindset. I could see him having to wear white game one. Uh, and I don't think that would cause a whole lot of backlash. It would be different. I would like it, you know. I don't know if he will, but I could see him doing that. Wouldn't be the first time Auburn's worn white at home. It would not. We could be like LSU, just start wearing white every game. Cause... Let's bring back trivia, Noble. When was the last time Auburn wore white jerseys at home, and who were we playing? Uh, I'm not going to get this one. Uh, I'm going to say, was it was it the 90s? It was not the 90s. Am I too far back or too far forward? Uh, Well, it was more recent than the 90s. Was it in the 2010s decade? Yes. No, it was the 2000s, before 2010. Was I have no idea. Uh, was it, uh, I'll guess, 2000 and – I'm trying to guess of a forgettable year of Auburn football. 2006 versus Ole Miss. Close, but no cigar. The answer is 2007 against Vanderbilt. We did a throwback jersey for the anniversary of the SEC. I believe it was a hundred no seventy-five year anniversary of the SEC. Did a throwback jersey, gray face mask, all white. Hmm. That's I tough, Nobs. That's real tough. Well, maybe you can make a post with the white jerseys and make it a throwback. Maybe I could. That was a very forgettable game, though. I mean, it was 07. I mean, we won that game pretty convincingly, didn't we? We did. The next year we fell to, or to Vanderbilt, but in 07, we won pretty big. Okay. So 35 to 7. There you go. Okay. 35 and 7 in a year where Auburn was not super exciting, not super fun year of football, you know. They went, they only had, uh, Two losses in the SEC play. They beat uh, Florida and they beat Alabama. Granted, that Alabama back then was not Alabama. It was still good to beat Alabama, but it was hey, not like Nick Saban was there. They unfortunately fell to South Florida, Mississippi State, LSU in a tragic loss, and Georgia in a blowout. This is Auburn in the this 2000s. This is Auburn. That would be the year that Les Miles threw it on the last play of the game when everybody thought he was going to kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so I think that kind of wraps up our uh, podcast for today. Um, obviously, we'll be back next week. I don't know if anything's going to happen next week. If not, we'll find something to talk about. Maybe we'll just pick a random season of Auburn football and talk about how bad it was. Who knows? 2007. Yeah. But so, uh, as always, you know, DM us if you have any questions. We're excited. Uh, as the season gets closer, I think it's 91 days until kickoff. So, we're excited for that. And we'll see you guys next week. War Eagle. War Eagle.